are listening to The Cooler Ring, a podcast made for manufacturing marketers. Here are Carmen Perry and Jeff White. Welcome to The Cooler Ring, a podcast for manufacturing marketers brought to you by Cooler Partners. My name is Jeff White and joining me today is Carmen Perry. Carmen, another special episode today. Yes, I, I believe it's episode 101. Um, yes. Which occurs to me that we had a 100th episode that was our lessons from the first 100 episodes, but that would actually technically be our lessons because we didn't have an episode zero that's true so it would have been our only lessons from the first 99 so this whole thing has now been completely <laughs> uh it's all gone pear-shaped but i think um regardless uh of uh, uh 101 just doesn't have the same ring to it uh one thing that um uh we've been doing with these episodes jeff that I, I just it's been really i think really uh it, frankly very instructive to me and, and helpful in going back and kind of looking at some of the key lessons that have emerged and the patterns that we've seen over the first hundred or so shows and and today we're going to kind of dive into another one so episode 100 we talked about account-based marketing and um, uh, a, a lot of what's emerging there today we're going to examine um, those lessons surrounding uh, customer feedback and listening to customers that came from uh, the first hundred shows and three shows in particular, actually. Yeah, and I mean we've we've actually talked about the idea of customer feedback um, in a number of different shows, and and I think um, these ones that we're going to feature have particularly interesting lessons um, that emerged and uh, practices that others might like to to implement. Yeah, I guess a bit of a spoiler alert for our listeners in some ways. That I'm, I don't know. I'll, I'll admit, I'm, I'm actually, I often get frustrated in uh, discussions about customer feedback um, because it can kind of seem so kind of loosey goosey sometimes. When you ask people what they do, um, how do they actually formalize the process? What was the actual result from it? That's why conversations about customer feedback have frustrated me sometimes. But our uh, guest in episode 56, Greg Palmer from um, uh, National Nail, uh, well, he kind of nailed it, didn't he? I mean, I think he really uh, showed us a great example of how listening to customers and taking a customer-centric approach to your product development and marketing actually kind of showed us a, a very specific and, and concrete example of how that went from uh, idea and implementation through to actual new product creation and innovation. Yeah, and I, I think what's particularly interesting about Greg's work at National Nail and what he's enabled is that he's also fostered a culture within the company as a whole to be very accepting of customer feedback and very interested in hearing about it. And so not only are they, you know, everybody says that they listen to their customers and that they act upon what they say, but Greg and his team would actually take the ideas and the recommendations and the criticisms of their product and bring that to engineering and say, how can we make this product better for this, for our customers? Yeah, let's, uh, let's hear it from Greg's mouth, I guess. Uh... Well, what we'll do is is we often get feedback from customers, you know, because they know that innovation is so important to our our company, always coming up with new and better ways of doing things. And so we'll have customers sometimes contact us, give us a call, or we'll be at a show or or uh, just with uh, our neighbors. And they'll say, yeah, it'd be better if I could do it this way or that way. 
And so we start learning from, from customers. And uh, in fact, the uh, edge clip and edge X clip for camo, um, we came up with that because we were talking to customers and, and our competitors have clips that put down uh, for groove decking, but you have to do a two pass. You have to partially uh, drill it into each one of the, uh, the joists and then shove the board in and then go on the other side and partially drill it and then go back and drill it again. And we're talking to customers there. Yeah, it's just, it takes so long. It's like, you're right. It does. But what if we develop a tool or, or a fastener that you don't have to pre-drill it? You just put it on the joist that hugs the joist, like uh, two legs go around the joist, shove it right into the groove, and then you can put them one down at a time, then do the next one. The next one, you can do multiple rows. Then you use the drive tool and just put them all down. And they say, yeah, that's great for perpendicular 90-degree decking patterns, but what if you have an angled deck? And then we came up with the Edge X clip, which actually hugs the inside of the groove of the board. So it's really uh, joist agnostic. It doesn't matter which way the joist or the boards are, are laying. It could be at any angle and it'll still go down. So it's those type of things that make it much faster, much easier for customers that, you know, we saw how everybody else is doing it and going, there's got to be a better way. And then we came up with one. So look, I think that's um I mean there's a number of things that are really kind of interesting to me about um uh the kind of the endeavor of seeking customer feedback and using it in the way that they do at National Nail. Um and the, the I guess the thing that kind of comes to mind sometimes is, to me Jeff is that um you know you're not looking for uh statistical significance necessarily. You're not it's isn't necessarily um, that type of feedback that you're seeking, you're see- kind of seeking these kind of hunches and these kind of, you know, what this kind of might work better. Or, you know, yeah. th- that that type of nuanced um, uh, feedback that can lead to innovation um, isn't always the stuff that comes from a thousand question surveys, as it were. That's right. Yeah, and and I, I think you know you can you could try and lead via the thousand question survey, but the. I think one of the things about that that makes it problematic is that it then reduces the feedback to just the will of the many. You know, there may be gems of an idea somewhere inside of that, but oh, you know, we get 40% of people said this, so that's what we're going to actually fix, or that's what we're going to work on next. But, you know, which, while valuable, because obviously 40% are looking for it, when you're doing that more kind of one-to-one feedback with uh, with customers and uh, and hearing their ideas and taking the good ones to uh, to engineering, you know, you're really you really are kind of putting your money where your mouth is. Yeah, and not just taking the good ones to engineering, but actually having engineering working with the customers in a hand to hand way yeah. directly to um, you know because when you have smart users of your product working with smart creators of the product. Uh, innovations come out the other side of that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's kind of the racing model. You know? yeah. <laughs> the, the racing bike or the racing car gets better because the people who use it every day in a professional situation make recommendations on how to make it faster, better, whatever. Um, and, and I think, too, the other thing that, uh, that Greg and his team have done particularly well is to then leverage those same customers who in you know more consumer type situations might be called influencers and have them help create content around the product um, to help them launch it at trade shows. Um, rest in peace. But, you know, overall, just really bringing 
those people through the whole process from ideation to creation to testing to marketing and sales and, you know, leveraging the, their knowledge and sometimes good name. Yeah, it, um, yeah, he, he, I guess, uh, that's probably why we're highlighting Greg at the start of this, uh, uh show is that, uh, you know, he really put a lot of meat on the bone as it were around customer feedback and, uh, and how it can extend across the enterprise. So certainly encourage our listeners to, to maybe go back and have another listen to episode 56 uh, featuring Greg Palmer. It was uh, he's a, a wealth of uh, knowledge and a, a fantastic example. Absolutely. And another episode that we had uh, even earlier than that was with Tim Bay of Fellows. And uh, we were talking with Tim about this very kind of thing, about how they leverage customer feedback to improve their marketing and you know you, you have a ton of experience in the in the product area that uh, that they brought to life why don't you talk a little bit about um about that yeah yeah so we talked to tim about um a, a chair an office chair that fellows brought to market so you know for folks who uh you know think of fellows you may think of uh even going back to like the banker's box they invented the banker's yeah, box a hundred so. years ago yeah, so it was interesting to see them move into an, the office furniture category with a new chair. It's interesting for, for, for a number of reasons. They, they really wanted to take a kind of a workplace wellness approach to how they were going to market. They saw the chair as a way to embody that in some way. Uh, I, I would say that that's the area of uh, contract office furniture that oftentimes has seen the most innovation. I mean, a lot of, maybe Hayworth or Steelcase or any of those kind of bigger players, Herman Miller, um, you know, they, you know, Herman Miller made a whole brand around the yeah. uh, chairs. Uh, so, the chair is the playground <laughs> for them. Yeah. Uh, so, so to choose to, to try to kind of out-innovate the, um, uh, the category leaders in in seating was uh, I think a really interesting choice. Um, so, uh, but Tim's uh, the way that they addressed that challenge and the way he took us through it um, and how it connects to customer feedback really is how they uh, listened to the customers in their initial launch of that product and then pivoted uh, both the messaging and in some ways the messaging vehicle. Um, for communicating the the chair's innovation, absolutely. Let, let's let's listen to Tim tell us about it in his own words. Well, I think I think for us too, it's also about you know it's about learning, right? This is a new product. It's a new product to the marketplace, and so there's there's been a tremendous amount of um, information that we have learned as we put it out in the marketplace as we got feedback from people. And that allows us to continue to sort of refine our messaging and make sure that the things that are um, most important, most critical, um, that value proposition is getting out there. And, and so for us, it's a little bit of seeding, right? We're seeding this thing out there. So that way, as other uh, channels make sense and, and, uh, and folks are, are ready to embrace that, um, that you know, we can say with confidence. Yeah, we really feel like we've now we know how to communicate this in a way that makes sense and resonates with people. So again, that's 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 for us. It's as much about um, that as it is about you know trying to generate a, you know direct revenue. Um, because I think again, you know, from a brand perspective, we're always going to need folks outside of our, our ecosystem 
um, to support what we do. I mean, more people, you know, the vast majority of brands um, sell way more off their you know, direct-to-consumer experience off their website than they do on their website. Um, except, you know, especially if you take, you know, if you, if you look at anybody you know, other than the, you know, you know, multi-billion dollar, big, huge brands. Um, so that's always going to be important for us. So it always has to be that sort of and, not a direct consumer or something else. It's always an and for us. So, yeah. So as you were mentioning before we cut to Tim's clip, um, you know, it, it really was the case that they needed to learn what those um, through the development of the product, what the things were that they needed to focus on from a marketing perspective, you know, a unique product, uniquely designed in a sea of innovation, really. And uh, they still created something that was completely different from everything else that came before it. And they realized as a result of that, they needed to explain that it was still going to have the same kind of quality and durability as, you know, other competitors in that space. Yeah, I mean, if, if folks, if you go on and, and and check out the 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 chair, when folks, when you go on and, and look at the Aaliyah chair, um, which I encourage you to do, just go go check out, look at look for images of, of this chair, spelled E L E A. Yeah. yeah, we'll link to it in the episode description below. And um, you, you know, you'll 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 see that the active seating mechanism of the chair um, is. Uh, I mean, it, it's very cool, but it's held together by basically what looks to be four rods in some way. Yeah, so you could see how um, uh, a traditional, or if you just showed that to somebody, how they, they may hesitate to yep. say that that's going to apply across my workforce, that, that that'll work for everyone, that's a great idea. Um, they would need to be convinced a bit, even though this, I mean, there's a lot of uh, obvious benefit to that freedom of movement that it uh, provides. Um, so the way they pivoted to uh, talking about uh, the, the, the strength and durability and communicating it via video, I think was also interesting. They really um, made that determination early on and getting feedback from the customers that they needed to show and tell a lot more. Absolutely. And, and you know, the, the choice of video is interesting, too, especially in this space where there often aren't a lot of you know, there, there may be demo videos and things like that of, of how, how these chairs operate. But, you know, the one that they created actually does a great job of both showing the strength and integrity of the product, as well as the, the sexiness and that, you know, what makes it different and interesting. Yeah. And the, the other side of it, too, that they uh, had to kind of address um, is, is this notion that they were actually going to market uh, in a very different way. The contract office furniture category is um you know has a pretty standard way of going to market um uh, via contract office furniture dealers um and uh you know it's a it's a bit somewhat dare, dare i say clunky in some respects um so when they introduced the chair um they uh introduced that you could buy it direct yeah um so not only are they coming to market with something that somebody might perceive as eh, is that going to be strong? Is that going to work? Then they're also buying it direct in a new way. Uh, so uh, the way that they addressed that was to really emphasize like a 30-day hassle-free trial um, as well as the free shipping, uh, which, I mean, we see that in the consumer categories all the time, but it was uh, interesting to see that kind of almost Zappos-level approach come to uh 
to to a, a B2B transaction here with fellows. For sure. And I mean, the, the B2C experience um, in a B2B marketplace, it, you know, that's that's one of the lessons we'll actually be talking about in an upcoming um, 100 episodes review, um, because it is a really interesting topic. And there are many people who, you know, many B2B marketers are bringing that level of understanding and that level of desirability of a consumer quality experience. Um, and, you know, it, you're right. It's quite interesting that a hundred year old you know, family-owned manufacturing business has chosen to truly innovate in both delivery and uh, in product development. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, you can certainly see uh, on the marketing side that uh, uh, Tim brings that sensibility to fellows, I yeah. believe. Uh, um, uh, and uh, it, I think the, the the site for the Ilya chair is a pretty good example of that. Yeah, quite lovely. Moving on to... Uh, I think how we actually kept going earlier as we look at this. So this is like episode 26. So we started from 50, and they're all sixes, which is really odd. Um, but episode 26 featured Augie Ray from uh, from Gartner. Um, and uh, I mean, I, look, folks, um, you all should really follow Augie on Twitter. I should know. So we'll we'll <laughs> this link. May not be for everybody. No, no, that's true. Uh, he, uh, but but um, uh, but nevertheless, we will link it up just in case you want to go check him out on yeah. Twitter. Uh, but um, but Augie, uh, you know he 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 brought a timeless lesson to the to the show, didn't he, Jeff? Absolutely, and and I think it's it's worth mentioning that Augie's title at Gartner is VP Analyst of Customer Experience for CX Marketing Leaders. So he he has a very niche or niche focus um, on that customer experience and the the you know what has become quite a uh, an interesting movement um, in the CX world, you know. Um, and so he, he has a, a very unique set of skills and he also um, is a kind of a unique person, you know, when it comes to, uh, to applying his thinking to marketing. Yeah, let's, uh, let, let's, let's hear from Aki. It resonates with me, but I'm, you might be preaching to the choir a little bit. Uh, the, the thing that I think is important at the end of the day is that so much of what drives marketing and everyone else, everything else in the organization becomes very internal focused. So we talk about the outside in view, the focus on the customer um, and the brands that have really succeeded. I mean, the brands that everyone wants to be, the Amazons and the Apples and the Costcos and the Starbucks, you know, started by having this very strong outside in viewpoint of what customers want wanted and needed. What were the unmet expectations? What were the gaps? What's driving satisfaction and dissatisfaction? If all we focus on is having our email team focus on maximizing email open rates and click rates while, you know, the product team focuses on, uh, you know, only initial sales, let's say, uh, or trial and not necessarily uh, longer term measures of loyalty. And if all marketing is focused on um, is acquisitions and clicks and conversions and inbound traffic, nobody's thinking about the customer. And that's really ultimately what this collaboration is about, is to make sure you have the user research, make sure you've got the data, the customer feedback, voice of customer uh, programs, for instance, to provide a flow of information so that you can always be evaluating what's driving satisfaction and dissatisfaction, loyalty and advocacy, and ultimately to make sure you've got that outside in viewpoint. And in fact, 
you know, one of the topics I know you wanted to discuss today is digital transformation. It's a very uh, great example of this. What happens is organizations go chasing after the next hot thing. They read that something is big and they chase it and they chase the technology first. And then they launch something in the technology and then they ask themselves, now, what is the problem this was intended to solve? How are we going to measure it? What you need to do is the opposite. You need to understand what customers want need, what unmet expectations are, and then evaluate the technologies that will help you to do that. If you do it in that order, you focus on the customer, Thus, you are much more inclined to launch something that gets adopted. And you also understand the measures right from the start. Um, and so we look back on the history of sort of digital marketing. How many organizations have a second life island that they needed to launch because it was a hot topic, but they never knew what to do with. And as a result, they probably still own those second life islands. Um, how many brands launched social media accounts. Uh, many that have been forgotten and are probably stagnant. You can find thousands of those sort of zombie accounts on Twitter and in Facebook. And it was because everyone was doing social media. They didn't think about what do customers want out of social media. And in fact, one of the things customers want is responsiveness. They want answers. They want customer service. And the data would demonstrate that brands still do a very bad job of this. They tend to think of social media as another broadcast channel, not as a channel to listen to and understand and respond to customers. Now, it can be expensive. There are challenges in scaling that, uh, but it's an example of that inside out versus outside in. And ultimately today, one of the things that we see is that everyone talks about voice being the future. Um, and one of the very typical situations that I work with my clients today is that they've launched an Alexa skill that gets zero or almost zero use. And it's because they got excited about that technology rather than thinking about what customers want and need and whether it provides it. A really good example is all the banks raced into providing Alexa skills so that you could interact with your bank using voice. Now, the question I ask is how many of us stand in the middle of our house and want to scream out our account balances or have them screamed out so that our family hears them uh, or our neighbors hear them? How many of us want in the middle of watching a television show to have our uh, Alexa announce that we're overdrawn, right? It, it's not, using voice is not the way that we interact with our banks. We walk up to a teller and everyone stands behind a line so we can do it privately. We walk up to a ATM and there are blinders on the ATM to make sure that people can't see what, uh, you know, what our account balances are. And so this idea of using voice to interact with your bank, now clearly behaviors may change at some point in the future. Uh, but for now, it's a solution in search of a problem. And that's the problem with innovation. And that's the problem with digital transformation is it needs to start with what the customer wants and needs. So, you know, as so often happens with the folks who are the best in their craft, is they're able to boil things down to um, the very simple but timeless lessons. Yeah. Um, and Augie takes us through that notion of of making sure that you have that outside-in viewpoint, and 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 not just. Uh, letting just chasing after technology for technology's sake and seeking a, a problem for it to solve later and a way to measure it later, but starting from the customer first. And I, you know, I can't imagine that there's anybody listening to the show, Jeff, that would disagree with that. Probably not. Uh, m maybe if Gary Vaynerchuk was listening, he <laughs> might disagree. You know, but he's not but listening. Gary, Gary's not listening. No. Um, but, but, but at this, 
But at the same time, I think we would all, if we looked ourselves in the mirror, we, we would admit, yeah, we've we've kind of made this mistake before. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, video is going to be huge, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And as somebody who's currently working on a video series, <laughs> that one hurt just a little bit. Yes. True, um, true it is. But, but nevertheless, um, uh, I... I guess uh, you know it's it's it, 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 it would be wise to take the timeless advice uh, that exists here, uh, yeah. and um, and the other piece uh, to Augie's thinking, uh, and and something I guess I've seen uh, that it runs a bit contrary to something I see a, a fair bit in in the manufacturing space, is Augie talks a lot about having kind of ongoing evaluations, voice of the customer programs, et cetera, that give you an ongoing sense of the satisfaction, dissatisfaction, loyalty, and advocacy, et cetera. Um, and, and that's a, quite a contrast to what we see often, which is, our, you know, we did a voice of the customer program in 2018. Or, so so we, we're good. Yeah. Like we, well, and, and, and to be fair, that's probably uh, more recent than a lot of their competitors did. So, uh, you know, when, when somebody says that. But at the same time, um, you know, we've talked in, before on the show about the idea of, uh, the, 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 you know, thinking about something not as a project, but as a, as a product or something that lives and evolves and is ever present. And needs to constantly be managed and improved hmm. and, you know, considered. Yeah. Exactly, and I think that uh, that that would be a, a real takeaway that I would I would take from from Augie is to say think of your voice of the customer programs, the customer feedback mechanisms that you're putting in place, the data that you're capturing and analyzing along the way, and really do think of that as an ongoing, ever evolving uh, uh, product uh, or initiative, if you will, rather than a project that has a start and a stop date. Yeah, and, and I think one of the things that he did mention uh, was, you know, that a lot of these new tools, if they do have any function, it's not for you to go out and be just blasting out messages, but they are an opportunity to truly listen and gather feedback in a more real-time environment than doing a thousand-person voice of the customer survey in 2018. You know, like... the. So being staffed and ready and prepared to receive this feedback is as important as uh, choosing which channels that you use to communicate with your customers on. Yeah, I love how uh, how we talked about the Second Life Island. <laughs> that was a good blast from the past. Oh really, man, isn't it? That is one. That is one thing I have never seen. I don't know if I ever, back in the early agency days, if I ever talked to a client and they're doing a second life thing or not. Yeah. I, I mean, I'd have, to, I'd have to go back and, and uh, like search old hard drives for that term or something. Yeah. Maybe it's on your Ning site. <laughs> Which I have talked people into. <laughs> and made. <laughs> but, you know, it was, all, it was all in good fun. Yes, indeed, indeed. And quite useful, I might have uh, but uh, but uh, look, it's um, it's been great to kind of uh, look back on uh, on on the lessons around customer feedback and how uh, they apply a across the manufacturing enterprise. Absolutely. Uh, and if any of our uh, listeners have feedback about this episode or ideas about how you enable feedback in your own organization, you know, uh, send us a note or leave a note in the comments on LinkedIn. You know, we'd uh, we'd love to hear from you. Well, I think that's a great place to end it. 
Thanks for listening to The Cooler Ring with Carmen Perry and Jeff White. Don't miss a single manufacturing marketing insight. Subscribe now at coolapartners.com slash the cooler ring. That's K-U-L-A partners.com slash the cooler ring.